All right, everybody. So we talked about like forecasting for the next 20 some years uh, per this FAA article we read off uh, one or two episodes ago. Today, we kind of want to explore that a little bit more and just explain just how we can forecast stuff. But this is taking a lot of things under assumption. And that normally happens whenever you do forecast stuff. That's around the time where you say like, okay, we, if this continues, then we know this is going to happen. Or if it trends in this direction, then we know one of these possibilities happen. And that's more or less what this, or, or what that article is saying. And they even expressly admit that like these forecasts in this document are forecasts of aviation demand driven by models built on forecasts of economic activity. So with that said, like this, again, going back to what I was saying, like, if everything is staying the way they are or it's trending in the same direction as the way they are, then we can, we can assume that this may happen in the next 20 or some years. And nowadays, the computers and programs are so smart. Like you can just, if you say X, Y, and then it'll predict Z through whatever, just because that's just how these programs or predictability programs work. And again, like it's always going to ask you like, well, what's your assumption for this what's your framework for that and then it can kind of give you a ballpark answer and yeah i mean it's you know contingency plans right most organizations and businesses have them um and contingency plans are are necessary to have in place uh to counteract uh the unfortunate right mm -hmm. um but it's hard to plan for everything you can't plan for everything even with all these computer algorithms, or, or let's say you can plan for most things, right? You know that your business <clears throat> in that industry so well that you have, you've invested in this computer program, you've pumped in all the data and the numbers and you press a button and it'll give you every uh, possible outcome uh, for whatever negative effect is input. And you can try to build your contingency plan, but again, not being able to plan for everything, right? Cause, cause in most cases, um, in fact, all cases, everybody has a budget to adhere to. So you can't, I mean, you can't invest everything you have into two contingency plans because you'll go broke. Mm -hmm. So you have to identify which contingency or which, uh, which negative, you know, negative source uh, coming at your industry is, is pertinent, could cripple you the most. And then you know, okay, well, let's, let's, let's put some dollars and cents into that and then taper back from there. Right. The off topic, this kind of reminds me of like the, like the social media algorithm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like if mm -hmm. uh, you look up uh, like say cars one day and then all your social media is going to pop up some shit about cars and parts and uh, car models, anything that just deals with cars. Like, what the fuck, dude? Like, I looked it up once and now that's all you fucking see. Or or even most, like, some people say this a lot too. Like, there's some, like, microchip inside your brain nowadays that you just think about uh, a certain topic and then next thing you know, it's popping up on your phone or it's popping up uh, on your searches. And no, this, I, okay, uh, I'm not going to say, like, this may or may not happen, but for the most part, a lot of these uh, algorithms that they program into all these searches and all these uh, advertisements, it's it takes all your trends and habits and then somehow like just figures out like, okay, this person is going to want to look at something like this in the next couple months. So let's just suggestively say this to that person. 
and then it's gonna it's gonna pop up so many times. I'm like, oh shit, like fuck, man, is like is my is my phone bugged? Like, how the hell is going? What the hell is going on? <laughs> and yeah, I mean that's that's funny. Kool Aid and I were just having a conversation about that right before right before we started recording here, and mm-hmm. uh, my uh, guilty videos are watching these like you know these these dudes and their girlfriends and they're pranking their girlfriends. Like as soon as their girl leaves, they'll shoot a text to them. It says she's gone. Now you can come over uh-huh. just as a prank. Or like the other one was like where they, the one I was just watching was they pull up with their girl in front of the house. Like, all right, baby, I'll catch you later. Uh, you know, I'll text you when I get home and they'll give me a kiss. And the girl's like, what, whose house is this? This is my house. And the guy's like, Oh shit. And just starts driving off. Oh, whose house was that? You know, <laughs> pull over. I'm going back. Let's we'll figure out whose house this is, man. I love, those videos dude i, I think i don't I, know why i like them so much but i love them i think i saw one like that it was like two guys and then they put like a random pair of underwear in the back seat uh it wasn't used or nothing they just like went to target or something and bought like a a pair of underwear and just left it in the back seat and yep. then um his girlfriend whatever starts flipping out like who, who the fuck underwear is this uh, what, are you, what are you talking about? You always leave your underwear in here. Like, they really try to play it off. <laughs> yeah. And she was getting all steamed up for like, for like a hot, like, I don't know, 10 minutes or so. And then she finally realized like there was a camera on the rear view mirror. Like, oh, you guys are recording this. Oh, okay. I see what you did, you know? And then they start turning it around on them. Like, like so why would you have some pair of underwear in here? Hmm? You know, to like do some like suggestively yeah. alternative lifestyle stuff. I'm like, Wow, that 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 got around real fast. But I love I know what you're talking about. That's just funny as fuck. <laughs> so so anyways, you know, the, the data mining aspect of it, right, is that is that even if I don't talk about those videos, which mm-hmm. I am right now, but let's just say I don't talk about those videos, but it figures out, you know, these apps figure out that I spend the most time or of all the videos I've watched, I've watched these ones in their entirety or something mm-hmm. like that. And then other ones I'll like get 10, 15 seconds a minute into and then skip over. So it's like, okay, these are the ones he's interested. Pump more at him. Yep. And that's more or less how these predictive models that the FAA and other organizations are using to predict for the next 20 or so years. And that's relatively a good thing. You kind of want to have an idea of what's going to happen next. Um, But like what this article is saying, like there are many assumptions in both economic forecasts and in the FAA models that were used that could affect the degree in which these forecasts are realized. Example they mention is like, uh, this year's forecast is driven at least from the near term by the pace of recovery efforts from the impacts of COVID-19, right? That's the current Mm -hmm. big, big thing that's going on right now. And you want to know that because like, what's the recovery effort going to look like? What's the cost going to look like post pandemic? And we're already kind of seeing the effects right now. Like, with maintenance teams like being shorthanded and they still have to pull full shifts because schedules are going back up. Uh, we have passengers who are more rowdy because their planes are not as ready as they want them to be when they say they're going to be. And of course, they're always going to blame the mechanics first for some reason or another. Like uh, this, I saw this one uh, um, post. It was like this whole thread of like how certain um, passengers were blaming the mechanics, like why the plane wasn't ready. And they're justifying reasons why it wasn't ready. I'm like, well, yeah, people who have no idea about aviation maintenance are assuming what's wrong with it, you know? Yeah, or like, or they tell them like, well, you know, their crew's like, well, yeah, we got a, they found a, you know, patch of exposed tread in the tire, got to, got to replace the tire, mm-hmm. and it's one of those. Well, how long does that take? Why isn't it done yet? What's going on? Mm-hmm. Not realizing that you got to go 
get the tools, pull the thing off, inspect the area, clean it up, you know, take it back, wait for supply to kick you a replacement out, take it in and then the paperwork, right? Paperwork's always the longest. Yes. So, um, but nobody else understands that sitting in the cabin. Um, they just know that they're not off the ground when, when it was scheduled to be, and they should be, you know, balls deep in a Mai Tai. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, an, another one, right, is an unpredictable factor, which a lot of us have felt over the years was like, say, uh, political ter- terrorist attacks, right? When, like with 9-11, when <clears> that <throat> happened, like all oh, like all major uh, aviation industries were at a, they were just thrown <laughs> for a loop because like, okay, how, how do we implement these restrictions? How do we make sure no one's bringing bombs on a plane? How do we make sure that everyone in the plane is relatively st- safe? And then what should we do in the event something does happen? And then also same with the BFA with the TSA and all kinds of other security measures. Well, yeah. And so I was going to say with the TSA side of things, right. You know, okay. We have, we have these terrorist attack deal and how do we ensure everybody's safe, not miss anything and pump the same amount of people through security checkpoint with these added, you know, at the same speed, but with all these added steps. Right. And And it's nearly impossible. I think another aspect I kind of want to bleed into of this, uh, this is from the, the onset of mental health, especially for the air crew, because pre pandemic, no one gave a flying fuck about the air crew. Let's just admit that. Well, air, air crew and the mechanics, like no one gave a shit about us. And then the pandemic hits and then we realize like, oh fuck, like we really need all these people to get the, get the train going. And then now they're bringing them back in and assuming that they want to keep flying. But then, oh, by the way, you know, these guys have onset mental health issues that however long they were dealing with it. And then here comes the pandemic and really makes them sit with it because they don't know if they're going to still have a job in the next couple of months. And then, oh, by the way, you guys are on tap for the next 3,000 hours worth of flights. I'm like, fuck, what? Yeah, right. So, so you know, again, um, planning, coming out of a pandemic, right? A lot of, uh, a lot of people, you know, it was negative on nearly everyone. Um, and so, so bringing people back, right? How do you keep them out of that negative, negative mindset? Because let's face it, hundreds of people lives, thousands of people lives, whatever, a day are, are in their hands. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you, how do you keep the maintainer from going, man, oh, screw this. I'm done. I'm done for the day. The hell with it. Just thread it on there. Don't worry about it. It'll be fine. Yep. You know, <laughs> absolutely. Do I need to safety? Nah, hell, let's go home. You know, right. Just, just stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, so keeping, keeping the morale, keeping, uh, keeping people mentally well so they can perform their job to the best of their duties for the safety of the masses. Yes. Very valid point there. Um, another one that this uh, article mentions about forecasting uncertainties is like, say, prices. And that's prices for just about everything from raw materials for this, for maintenance crews to the fuel that all the aircraft used to go from A to B. Uh, other hazardous materials such as oil and stuff like that. This is all assuming again, like this is kind of like the real estate market where like it's up, it's down, it's down, it's up. Like, where do we go from here? Should I buy? Should I sell? Should I rent? Should I, should I lease? What should I do? And especially when it comes to something like, like money, 
like oil prices can be high as shit now. And then come 20 years from now, it's like in the dirt or even more so now is with these biofuel aircraft or these all electric aircraft slowly but surely coming into the mix. Are we just going to phase out fuel altogether? Are we going to start having like these uh, extended powering stations to charge these planes up? Or are we going to have shorter stints because they can only hop so far or whatever, you know? It's one of those like like gas versus clutch thing. If anyone's ever driven a manual uh, drive car before, like, do I give it, do I give the clutch more first or do I give the gas more first? Which one? And it's just a balancing act of which one you guys need to put in more of first before the you accidentally stall out the engine. <laughs> well, you, you know, you brought up an interesting point with, um, with the prices of fuel and then the uh, biofuels are a mix of both or, or all electric or whatever. Right. And we all know that there's all that stuff out there and rocket motors are continually getting more power, but more efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, hard times also, also breed creation, right? Mm-hmm. So these airlines are going, okay, yeah, we're not running as many uh, aircraft as we used to be, but let's invest in what we got. So is there some sort of a hybrid thing, right, where you use some sort of biofuel or whatever to get you up to altitude? Once you're at altitude, you could transition to electricity and, and, and the back skin of the plane or whatever is, is some sort of solar panel like Tesla's uh, tile roofs or whatever. You know what I mean? Yes. The tiles they make for the roofs, which are little tiles or solar panels. And and so do you make, you know, uh, 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 is there a new back skin or a new skin for aircraft in the development that's got an embedded solar panel? And so, okay, you use the fuel, get your main thrust, get off the ground. Once you're at 40,000, transition to engines could be cut to 25% and, and some form of electricity kicks in or whatever else to... Uh, for, for, you know, two different motors, electric motors on board. And then that's what kind of, you can cruise at that all yeah. the way to you land. I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? So yep. you could reduce the amount of fuel you have to burn. So you don't, instead of fueling up every flight, you can fuel every three or four type thing. Right. Yeah. Um, so I'd be curious to see, you know, hard time again, sucks that the hard times come, but the hard times also, breed some pretty innovative things. So it'd be kind of interesting to see what happens uh, in the future of aviation regarding that. Oh yeah. Especially uh, I remember when you remember when hybrid cars first became a thing, like yep. when they first rolled that out, like this is stupid. Do you mean, how's this even going to work? Cause like it's powered by water. What? Or the wheels charge the batteries. What? Right. Mm-hmm. And then, and then I'll look at it, right. Almost every other car on the road you see is either all electric or some type of hybrid. And you laugh, we, you used to laugh at him. When they first rolled out, but then when you start hearing uh, 50 miles a gallon, 65 miles a gallon, fuck, sometimes 90 miles a gallon, like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, and so, right, so we were all laughing like, ah, nerd, nerd with your hybrid car <laughs> over here rocking a V8, and then, and then, but they spent, we you have a thousand mile road trip, and they spent 20 bucks on fuel, and you spent 2,000, you know, it's like, maybe they got a point over there. Right. Yeah. So think of that though. Right. So think, so think of that, the airline, you know, if the airlines could uh, somehow capitalize on that and sure it'll be an upfront investment, but over time, as the technology gets better, imagine, imagine like, Hey, you're going from LA to New York. What's that going to cost? You're going to go from LA to Sydney. Well, that's, uh, it's typically a $4,000 plane ticket. Cool. It's, uh, it's, you know, 400 now 
for that stint or whatever. It's just, it, it just it would open up traveling for so much, so many more uh, people. Mm-hmm. You know, you can say, oh man, I've never been to <clears throat> Miami. I'd love to go to Miami. I just can't afford it. The hell now, round trip tickets, 40 bucks. <laughs> Sweet, you know? Right. Um, uh, another thing about cost is uh, like currently with the infrastructure, infrastructure, God damn it. Of, of like some of the, both the aircraft, the runways, the airports themselves, the routes that they take, all that stuff's got, you know, eventually going to wear out. So you got to factor in the cost it's going to take to keep those going. Um, like say with certain uh, certain runways in, in different areas, you know, the weather can really beat it up or it's been a long while since they've did maintenance on this stuff. And then who's to know, like in the next 20 years, like some major weather conditioning happens where it it, it further erodes the infrastructure that these aircraft need to get themselves going or like uh, the cost it's going to take to maintain them suddenly skyrockets. And then now we're like, well, since we can't maintain all of these, we're just going to shut down a couple of airports because it's more cost effective to just do big hops. And then you take like a Uber, the other two or 300 miles, wherever you need to go because. Right. So like in, in, the area we live in, right? The Los Angeles area. Um, so instead of them having Burbank and, uh, you know, John Wayne and Long Beach and Camarillo and all these other things, we say, okay, we're going to shut these down because it's too much to maintain and everybody's using LAX, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. So, but, but then again, you'd have to expand that airport massively too to accommodate all the additional traffic. Yes. But, but I mean, you could say, I mean, Spain is prime example, right? Spain went through a big economic recession. I can't remember, uh, maybe a decade or so ago. Mm-hmm. And they had major airports. I mean, brand new airports that they built and then never used, just closed them, closed them up because they weren't, they couldn't afford to operate them. Right. So what's to say the same thing couldn't possibly happen here. God, I hope it never does. But what if? Yeah. I like what this article also mentioned about uncertainties. It goes, although U.S. airline finances have been decimated as a result of COVID-19 and the fall in demand, the outlook for further consolidations, either through mergers and acquisitions or bankruptcy, appears to be rather limited based on the FY2020 data. I think we just saw a merger. We're seeing that. Yeah. Yeah. Frontier and who was the other one? Uh, It was Spirit. Uh, Frontier and Spirit, right? They, They just did a merge not too long ago. Uh, shoot, I remember, uh, uh, well, it feels like a couple for me, but a while back, it, there used to be Northwest and, um, Continental yeah. and all yeah, that. PSA or something like that. Yeah. And Pan Am even all those or either, Pan Am, yeah. you know, all those even got, uh, either got merged with other companies or other airlines. I mean, or they just disappeared altogether. <clears throat> right. Like I, like I think, uh, Northwest got taken over. I want to say it was American. Is it American? No, I, I could be wrong. I know for sure Continental merged with United and that was like yep. a big international gateway that just opened up for them. Well, and isn't like Wisconsin Airlines, didn't they go up under like American or something like that? I think so. I think um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of these smaller, um, <clears throat> smaller, you know, airlines get, get sucked up under uh, the bigger names. But they, what's funny is they still like, as you hear, you know, this is a welcome to United Flight Whatever operated by that smaller company name. So it's yes. like they don't fully get rid of it, but 
it doesn't have its own. Like you don't go to their website, you go to United's and then they use. Yeah. Matter of fact, interesting you're, you're right. A matter of fact, I remember, I think it was, I think there was a small carrier. It was called American Eagle. Um, yeah, there you go. Yep. Uh, I, I want to say that got absorbed either by United or American Airlines. I can't remember completely, but I remember seeing that complete, uh, fully because I always got, um, its logo looks almost exactly like this one uh, college. It was like just like an eagle all spread up on the on the vert fin. Like, like uh, wow, like whatever happened to this? I remember seeing this all the time, especially if it's just like for a three-hour flight, but now it's like you don't see those no more. Or like you said, like it's United or, or uh, American Airlines operated by so-and-so or like a, a legion or something like, or alliance or something like that. But, you know, I mean, mergers are a big part of any industry, no matter what you're in. And I think it's one of those, you know, you, they both look at one another. Those organizations, they we either both go under or well, let's combine our resources and, and stay afloat. And I think, you know, most people for benefit of themselves and their employees and whoever else go, OK, let's 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 keep the ship ship upright. You know, let's not capsize this. Oh, um, yeah. So. So, oh, yeah. you know, in many instances, it's uh, it's a very smart move. Um, most times the mergers are usually a, a bigger absorbing, you know, a smaller, mm-hmm. right. Um, you know, the whole David and Goliath thing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not a good analogy because didn't David kill Goliath with some sort of slingshot. So anyways, <laughs> you know, maybe it's like you can't fight city hall one. Yeah. You know, we're, we're too small to fight city hall type thing. So, um, but I think in the, in the, Regarding frontier and um, spirit, mm-hmm. I think those are almost equal. Yeah, at least from my from my limited knowledge. Now, those who work in that in those two companies, let us know. You know, if they're one was doing way better than the other, then so be it. But um, to me, it seemed like they were both uh, equal size, equal uh, same equal opportunities, and and decided to make it one one cohesive unit. So. Right. Be interesting to see where they go. Right. Are they going to call it Sprunteer or are they going to call it Frontier It? Frontier It? <laughs> or, or Frit? Frit? <laughs> you know, I, think there's a, I think there's an ongoing uh, meme battle about that. It, like, uh, uh, what should the, the tail art be for the new Frontier Spirit merger, right? Uh, mm-hmm. some, some people put like, uh, like uh, a fish, uh, like one of those blobfish things. Uh, oh my god <laughs> a, a sea urchin uh some other like marsupial things from uh australia i'm like what the fuck are you <laughs> i think they should put a, i think they should put a a, a bloodshot eyed maintainer on the tail <laughs> just you remember you remember sam samuel jackson that movie black snake moan and they made a meme out of him where he's like standing on the porch looking all bug-eyed and staring at the screen you know yeah yeah <laughs> staring at the camera they should just be like that but a maintainer just staring off at you Using the term like, I don't know if I should get on this plane. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, or um, what was that one? Uh, it was like a privately owned plane, and it was like his end number was like N, N something something FU or some shit like that. Like, well, yeah, we uh, we know how this person treated this plane. But yep. but but saying going back to with the mergers, right? Like this is all stuff like it's predictable to a point like okay we know this plane is gonna go in the tubes down the dirt we should probably absorb them now but then say like you got something like southwest where like uh they just boomed overnight because of their low <laughs> fares right like oh we'll take you to vegas in only 60 dollars like, really let's do it <laughs> yeah with uh, the one-way fees and all that but yeah 
Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's all assuming that everything does happen the way it should. Uh, General, General Aviation is another one where like they suffered a lot, which we've covered a bunch of times. But you know, like with General Aviation, there's really not anybody managing that kind of stuff. It's just like a bunch of private owners, and they're just like foreseeing it for themselves. Like, okay, I should probably stock up on parts now before it just goes into tubes, and then now I'm having to like pull parts from a a 1970s Chevy and just somehow making it work for my freaking Cessna or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of the experimentals, right. You can go, you see the guys, they'll go to AutoZone, pick up alternators and things for those motors, which is fine if it works, you know, I mean, they're not flying <clears throat> super high anyways, their max might be 5,000 feet. So, um, yeah, or, I mean, it's, um, it's really interesting. You know, it's, it's hard to predict, where the industries are going again, you see the merge, you see this, but you don't see the backstories as what led to that decision um, or what they saw with being a part of the industry, you know, that, that said, maybe we should consider this type thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think you got to look at it as like the, we, when, when you're doing these and, and also right when you're, when you're doing these predicting the future and, and planning contingencies, right? You also have to look at the we over me type thing. Like it's not just me in this in this business. I got I got, you know, so let's say the example of this podcast, right? It's not just me. Can't just do what's best for for MVP over here because I still got six and shoreline to consider on the other front, right? So you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta do what's best for the for the whole crew. Yes. And and I like that you mentioned that because when it comes to general aviation, a lot of people is like, whatever, as long as I'm taking care of my shop, we're fine. And I haven't really seen much of that because most of the most people in the aviation community, they're very open and helping to each other for the most part. Right. But when it comes time to like, hey, I need my plane to fly. It's going to that's when it kind of draws the line, you know, like, hey, this is starting to affect my money. This is starting to affect my flights. This is starting to affect my safety. And then (laughs) that's when, you know, that's when you kind of have to start picking and choosing. Yeah, I've been in some shops where, you know, you get other other crews from other companies come over. Hey, man, can you can we borrow? A, hey, we're we're on. We're, oftentimes it's like, hey, man, we came out here for one job and we've been out here for we're supposed to only be here for two days. And it's been two weeks. We keep, you know, getting work tacked on to us. Um, we didn't bring a jack with us. Can we can we borrow your jacks? You know, we're obviously not traveling around just carrying four jack stands mm-hmm. in this thing. Yep. Uh, can we borrow your jacks? Yeah, man. But often, sometimes you gotta be like, "Hey, I got, I got a, I got a bird coming in three hours that I'm gonna need it for." So, sorry, you know what I mean? Yep. Yep. Uh, but most times you get, yeah, man. Here you go. You can borrow the jacks. Um, you know, and, and you, the courtesy is, uh, hey, you know, um, you can bill us. Just here's the work order number. Just, just bill that work order number. But you know, maintainer to maintainer, like, nah, dude, don't worry about it. Just, just use it. You know, mm-hmm. just use it, get your job done, bring them back. Try not to beat them up or anything, but yeah, please don't break it. Cause then we're going to, we're going to have to f- justify no, a reason. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why did we have to replace a, uh, a $6,000 hydro pump on that, that jack stand? Well, no, no, re- no reason. No reason at yeah. all. Oh, no. so-and-so hit it with a tug. Oh, oh okay. How dare you <laughs> <laughs> just start making shit up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like not only trying to lift your mom (laughs) (laughs) shut up and give me the jack (laughs) you motherfuckers you're all working 16 hour shifts today like 
fuck it, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So not only is the volume of aircraft operating at most large hubs expected to increase over the next 20 years, but the mix of aircraft is changing for the same time period. So as older aircraft become obsolete, newer newer ones, newer, newer ones are going to come to replace them. And then the experience level for these newer ones, you know, that's still ongoing. So you have experienced mechanics, but they've never touched a 787 before, or they've never touched an A321 before or some shit like that. I'm like, what the fuck is this plane? <laughs> right? And yeah, you go inside and everything's touch screen, push button, really simple, like three buttons in the whole cockpit. And you're going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. <laughs> <laughs> There's not 8,000 switches. I'm, I have to go through my checklist. I, I don't know what to do. Yep. And, and so like this change of the mix in aircraft will most likely add to the workload above and beyond the increasing demand for aviation services resulting from the growth in the operations over for the pod, uh, forecast period. Wow. <laughs> so now, now, not that these things are new, you would think like it's like, it's going to get better, but of course, you know, you got to, Factoring like, okay, newer plane has newer set of problems and you got to, there's a learning curve to see how that's going to actually affect you. Uh, there were some aircraft, I think, like uh, once you plug it in, it starts generating work orders or it starts ordering parts of what it needs. But some of them, they're so sensitive that like if they just peg the limit once, then they start generating write-ups. And so you got to like figure out like, well, how long was this fault, uh, this fault for? And then you got to start going back and deleting them or Signing them off as not required, uh, pop prematurely or some shit like that. Yeah, then, yeah. I mean, uh, it it just hits the 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 red line once and starting to order parts and and then, but you know, the fault clears, but the parts already ordered type thing. You got to yeah. sort. Of, so you're gonna have added cost there, right? Because then supply is gonna get that that call that uh, that request, and they're gonna start generating and whatever else. Now you got all the added steps of paying people to do that and the part get there and like, oh, we actually don't need it. So put it back in. Mm-hmm. And if it's a kind of an ongoing, you know, issue, um, you're going to say, man, we, the metrics say, man, we spent, you know, an additional five grand this past month, just putting these parts from supply to the line supply and the line saying we don't need them actually and sending them back. Mm-hmm. But it, it's one of those, like when you bought them, you, you got to keep it or you got to store it in a certain way. And then you're not equipped to do that. And then right. now you're incurring more cost to store these things because the, like the system somehow generated that you needed it. Um, there's also the case where like, say it, it goes to order the parts, it flags that you ordered it, but then the part back ordered. And then now you got to go through the whole, the whole loop, de loop to say like, okay, uh, we don't need the part now, but since we identified that there's a shortage, we should probably start figuring out how are we going to actually get it when we need it? <laughs> kind of thing and i think we mentioned that in the previous episode of like how long it takes for parts to get put into service how long it takes for it to get overhauled uh what's the cost of it to get renewed and overhauled and so like that it's it's one of those like cursing the blessings like because we ordered a part we don't need but now we kind of identified a gap that we're gonna need this at some point and there's none in stock (laughs) yeah well and you know you're talking about older aircraft going out of service i kind of wonder you know i mean like we have a couple of boneyards out here in the desert where uh, Six and I live, and you see crews out there every so often pulling panel a panel off, pulling the back skin off of something, scavenging parts, you know, this and that. Mm-hmm. But there's, you know, to take down to 
LAX or SFO or wherever and, and, and fix a bird that's busted up there, right? And it's an older bird that's still in service mm-hmm. and they're not making new parts for it, which is why they're scavenging these old things. But um, you kind of wonder, other than that, though, they, they just sit out there and rot for years, but there's so much wasted aluminum and titaniums and other metals you know copper and all the wiring like you i think i think one thing that needs to be visited here and moving forward in the future is the recycling aspect of old birds yes you know i think there's um some 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 reason some way we got to get the foundries back back in operational getting these metals uh reusable because lord knows there's a lot of it out there yeah and a lot of them, they're all just mothball, just like you said, collecting dust and corroding to God knows what. And I, I understand the reason for it. It's like, well, we built him so we never know we might need him again or we want want to just pop shots at it for some kind of experiment. It's cool, no? But do you really need all 5,000 of them? <laughs> or uh, however many that you made? So yeah, I totally agree with you as far as deservicing, disposing, or even recycling these uh, parts or these aircraft in general. Like, we're not going to see a need for aircraft X probably for the next 500 years, if that. So why don't we just, I don't know, like uh, reverse engineer this thing and then put it back into the raw materials uh, mix? Because you, that seems like a good challenge for one of these multi-billionaire tycoons out there, one of these billion dollar industries, you know, take a build an aircraft, uh, a brand new something, but made of all recycled old parts, right? All recycled old four sevens and three sevens and mm-hmm. DC nines and whatever the hell else you got sitting out there. Right. Um, you know, an MD eighties and things. Uh, and, and, and you can say, man, we got this brand new, let's say seven eighty seven or, uh, Airbus, you know, the a three eighty, the Airbuses, and say the whole thing, um, has been made out of recycled stuff even the whole wiring harnesses we stripped down old harnesses and casted you know new copper copper lines and everything else you know just i think that'd be a pretty cool deal the whole thing is made of of a recycled birds right and could probably clear that boneyard of stuff that's just gonna collect dust until the end of time yeah and you're taking and you could even have the paint scheme on it kind of uh as a tribute to those those old old birds type deal i think right. that'd be kind of neat that would be pretty neat uh, another major factor that the this article mentioned as far as forecasting uncertainties is the environmental impacts itself, right? Like we kind of touched that a little bit today, but like uh, we, we like right now where we're doing this in the middle of the Super Bowl and it's it's ninety some degrees in fucking February, right? <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Like picture that, man. Like if you were to tell me this, like oh, it's ninety, deg- it's going to be ninety degrees to get today in February, like say I don't know six years ago, I would have th- said you're crazy, like. Fuck no, man. <laughs> but especially with the way the environment is going and how, how we know weather can just impact a lot of flights. We're unsure right now of like what are the newer requirements are going to be in the next 5, 10, 20 some years. Like right now, fuel is dime a dozen, but then someone can turn around and say like, oh, we want zero fuel to be dumped on the floor ever. So you need to take it back to the drawing board and figure out a way to have an engine burn all its fuel and not dump any of it on the floor. Or you need to well, figure out... Well, they kind of have that, right? We call them EPA cans. And so when you do a shutdown, they spool up real quick because they get that blast of, uh, of uh, bleed air that uh, pushes the remaining fuel in the lines Yep, from the firewall um, 
you know, to the, to the combustion chamber. So you get that, you shut down, it goes, boom, boom. You know, it's just that last, but not, those don't work every time though. They still have, you know, there's collection cans on the bottom, but they don't even catch everything all the time. And it still pisses it overboard. Right. And, but, but you know, like that's, that's now imagine like later on the line, say we want fuel that biodegrades in the next 50 years or some shit like that. Right. Like we want zero, um, environmental impacts of your fuels or of your hazmat or of your materials period you know that that's a little extreme to say but again like uh how do how do we frame all this stuff so we can have a degree of predictability right and if anyone's getting anything from this episode is like you have so many different factors that can drive how you're gonna run your business or run your airlines or run your shop and there's uh, pros and cons of everything and doing one thing it's kind of like it's kind of like a trade-off you get one thing that's awesome that's great that's fantastic but it costs too much or you got something that's awesome that's great etc but it takes too much people it takes too much time or whatever the case may be so you got to kind of find this balance of budget versus uh practicality and somehow figure out a way to keep that in line for the next 5, 10, 20 years. And I think that's like one of the biggest things that this article is saying and what MVP and I are saying is you can only do so much with what you know now because like all things in the future, like if you were to say like, oh, the, the, the world economy is going to come crashing down for two years. If you said this back in 2016, they probably would have told you you're stupid or some shit like that, right? Or like, oh, you're just... You're just a, what, what do you call those? Like a apocalypse theory people uh, or a doomsday, doomsday theorist. That's a doomsday theorist, right? Like you're building a bunker in your backyard that goes down 60 feet or some shit like that. <laughs> right. Yeah. You could say, no, the airline shouldn't invest in any of this because it's not going to matter in 10 years when, you know, after the nuclear fallout and we're all living in the subway system. Right. And there's fucking Terminators uh, are everywhere trying to kill people. <laughs> yeah. I you mean, know, but. I mean, the way computers are going, man, like it may not be that far off, man. <laughs> Skynet, man. It's taking over. Yeah, no shit, man. Um, off topic nerd subject. Um, I forget the name of the law of it is where it shows like a trend of technology. Like it just gets, it doubles itself every two years. And then there's going to come a point where it's going to hit that super intelligence level. And then next thing you know, like computers going to start telling you their feelings. Right. <laughs> yeah. I am uh, calling out today. Why? <laughs> Why C3PO? Because I don't feel like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> but but you're a machine, man. Like, you don't get tired. I plug you in, like, once every five days to recharge. That's about it. Yeah, well, I just don't feel like it. Okay. <laughs> and then everyone comes in with their R2-D2 droid, you know, like, beep, 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 and plugs it into the aircraft. <laughs> Come on, R2-D2. Beep, boop, beep. What did you just say? Beep, boop, beep. You have to go to work today. Beep, boop, beep. <laughs> you can't talk to me like that. Oh my God, people are going to hear you, you know? Just, <laughs> <laughs> I can, can you imagine that conversation, man. Like, uh, Kiss your uh, brother with that mouth, R2-D2? <laughs> <laughs> so your mother's an oil can. Beep, 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 beep. Right? Just starts like uh, flipping wigs and, and just whistling pulls the taser out. And, it pulls the taser out and lights you up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I remember talking to a, another mechanic about this. Like, imagine like you got your very first R2-D2 droid, but it knows fucking nothing. So you got to teach it how to do aircraft maintenance. Like, how would you do that? 
And he goes, I wouldn't tell him shit. I would just, I'll take that thing apart and say like he fell down the stairs or some shit. <laughs> <laughs> or I get one, but mine would be, mine would have a, 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 a fault in the motherboard or something. And all it would do is shit talk me all day. <laughs> hey, R2, can you pull up the, the manual, the, the TO for this, you know, the manual for this? And you're like, you should know that piece of shit, you know? It's <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I'm sorry, R2. I don't have like 15 terabytes of memory just readily available in my fucking skull you know <laughs> and he comes back with well your mother's got 15 terabytes shut up r2d2 you're a dick and like shut up <laughs> start crying yeah. it's like what's that you're gonna cry you're gonna fucking cry you stupid human <laughs> he's so mean <laughs> i hate this guy <laughs> yep that would be my luck man that would be, be my luck all day that would be my luck too, man. I just I get that one droid that just shit talks all the time. <laughs> but you know what though? Talking about predictability in the future and all that, I really hope that is something we we maintainers get. I think that'd just be the coolest shit. Yeah, right. Uh, if one one can hope, can hope. I mean, I mean, imagine like how conven- the convenience of it. If everything worked, right? Let let's assume that everything does work, like. We figured out the bugs and technology and we can guarantee like 99% of the time the product will work. And then having uh, a mechanic droid or a mechanic robot just be your buddy. It's like better than a human buddy almost because he just does whatever the fuck you tell him to. Or he learns you in such a way that he knows that he can predict how you're going to act and how to make you feel better. (laughs) Where it turns into where it's like a... You wear a helmet as a maintainer. It's like your own Cortana from Halo, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Super smart AI. Yeah. That, that, that'd be, that, that there would be the coolest, right? So, like, instead of an R2 droid, everyone gets, like, these pair of, like, mechanic glasses or some shit and has, like, a Cortana AI that just, like, holograms into your, into your lens or some shit. Yeah, oh, you got a little earpiece in and you're talking to it. And you're like, hey, what's the torque value for this? Torque value for bolt XYZ is 50. Six inch pounds. Thanks, friend. That'd be sweet. <laughs> that would be sweet. But then you see, or like people- it's auto filling paperwork for you as you're as you're working. Oh, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. The sweetest, right? And like, all you gotta do is like just do like some kind of digital stamp or some shit, like just or a digital signature. Like, you completed task one of whatever. Are you ready to sign off? Yes, and it just auto fills like. <laughs> but then yeah, the AI also does like it's running running a, a turnover in the background of everything been done and what needs done. Uh, so as the next guy comes on shift, you don't even have to you don't even have to like sit there and be with him and, and look at what you did. You can just it's cataloging through your lenses and what you've done. And the next guy puts on his lens the earpiece and you're going out and you type in town and regarding status update, you know, Cortana and then it rattles off everything that's been done. We got to go that that would be sweet. That would be sweet. It'd be expensive as fuck. But it would be, be expensive, sweet. but like you could be like, hey, uh, what about, where's the drawing? This thing? Oh, drawing such and such is currently in red line awaiting engineering. You're like, all right, well, I know I can't do that right now. Right. Or or like it it uh, projects the drawing through your lens, <laughs> like onto the part that you're working on, right? So like, like a 3D hologram, but you could see the internal workings of it. Oh, man, imagine that. So like, say you're working on a component, but you're like, I don't know what's wrong. It's kind of intermittent. And you could look at that component in 3D, see it, and you could see its internals like X-ray vision. And you could be like, oh man, it's got a internal orifice that's partially clogged, which is clogged, which is causing this issue. Oh, 
that would be freaking amazing. Whoever, whoever's like the super genius technology dude. Whoever, whoever's working, whoever's the real life Tony Stark out there, figure it out. Please. That would be freaking dope. Right. Call it, call it whatever you want. Call it Jarvis, call it a uh, Cortana, whatever. Just like, please do that. That would be amazing. Or like, or you can build like a whole aircraft just off of holograms, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that I think that'd be sick. That would be amazing. Please let that happen. <laughs> Uh, final thoughts on anything MVP? No, we kind of covered it. Um, you know, it's um, we talked about predicting the future and we talked about the uncertainties and that's where you have your contingency plans. But you got to be smart with your contingency plans. You can you can see and know everything, but you still have to prioritize what's you know prioritize which which uh, uh, negatives. Uh, can affect you the most and, and work towards addressing those and then filter down from there. Right. And last thing I'll say about this is like, don't get too stuck in the, in the planning and predicting of things because you say you get so set on a certain way of planning or a certain way of contingency planning. And then you end up shooting yourself in the foot because you spend too much time doing this. Then you never actually got a plan forward of actually how to do stuff. Um, or, um, you put, you put up too many constraints and then you end up like not having any type of ability to address a problem because you have too many barriers that you've created to kind of make, to keep everything within a predictable set of actions. If that makes any sort of sense, anybody, (laughs) sorry if I confused everyone. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. Uh, If, If you have any questions and we're confused, please, uh, please hit us up and we'll try to explain more. Please do. Please definitely do. If you have any type of. Well, either uh, story- try to explain more or, or confuse you more. No guarantees. <laughs> right. Or if you got any, uh, or if you got any stories about this sort of thing, please send us. Or if you, or if you feel like you want to, if you would invest in an astromech droid, please let us know too. We're a fucking bunch of nerds. <laughs> and if you know that there's a robotics group out there currently working on it, uh, I would like to know more about that. Yes, I definitely would. On that note, uh, thanks everybody for listening. See you next time. We'd like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to continue to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners with special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Ryan Freshour, Dan Schubert, Jenny Dignan, and the ladies of the Dick Talk and Mimosas podcast. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. Visit our shop at cancelformaintenance.com and grab some swag to show off both your support for us and your prowess as an aircraft technician. If you have ideas for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, visit our contact us section and send us a line. We will do what we can to get your ideas or yourself on the show. You can also follow us on social media such as on Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance, Instagram at Kanks, that's C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast, or on Twitter at CXMX Podcast. Check out some of our affiliates like Rockwell Time, where they make both rugged and classy watches to fit your lifestyle. Use the code CX4MX and save 10% off your purchase. Support us on Patreon. Our patrons get exclusive perks such as access to our Discord, discounts and early access to merch, special patron-only episodes, and so much more. Thank you again so much for listening and we'll see you next time.